Welcome to our podcast. We talk all about the excessively nice type C personality. I'm Dr. Corey Gleed, a clinical psychologist. I'm Anna White, a former Wall Streeter and recovering type C. Type C people hate disappointing others, carry the weight of the world on their shoulders, avoid conflict, and suppress emotions. Many of us identify as type C. Our health has suffered and we want to learn new ways of living healthier. On this podcast, we'll pull from our own experiences and also learn from experts. We hope you enjoy the show. Hi, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about the inner critic, which is that fabulous voice in your head. If you can't hear me, I'm being sarcastic. We all have voices in our heads. We call them the inner critic. It is a constant running commentary on everything we do. This is basically something that is helpful from an evolutionary perspective to keep us out of danger. But unfortunately for people with type C, it can be louder and harsher than maybe the average person. And this can come from a variety of things that may have happened growing up with caregivers. So possibly you had a parent or someone who was taking care of you who was very critical or dismissive or someone who cared excessively about what other people thought of the family or family members. Maybe you had a very anxious parent who was excessively nervous about things and told you about, you know, don't do this, don't do that. Something make bad could happen and to really be on the lookout for safety. So the voice in our head or this inner critic can be influenced by all these types of situations. And it leads to having a running commentary that is telling us lots of very um, negative and unhelpful things that really are not important and are not good for our health. A few other things that can lead to this voice. We've talked about trauma on the podcast before, and the inner critic can come from traumatic experiences. Something bad might have happened. It left us questioning, why did this happen to me? And why didn't this happen to other people? And so we developed this belief that we're somehow defective because this bad thing happened. I would also say from my experience growing up in a religious household, sometimes that religious upbringing can lead to a harsher inner critic. So if we learn, for example, that God was supposed to protect us and something bad happened when we were a child and God didn't protect us, we might've taken this very literally because children take things quite literally. And so we might become harsh on ourselves because we believe that something's not right with us. Something's wrong. We're not worth protecting we're a sinner. That's one thing that we learn in the, in the Christian church is this concept of, of sinning and being a sinner. And children can really internalize that message that I'm a sinner and I'm not good enough. And we really just think it's so important to talk about the inner critic because it has such a negative influence. And so for people with type C, that inner critic may say things to us that we don't even necessarily bring to our present awareness, but can drive so many of our type C behaviors. So things like you're not good enough, you're not talented enough. It may make us feel like everyone else has it all figured out. It can also lead us to work much harder to prove ourselves. The voice can also encourage us to do more and more, which as we've talked about with people with type C can lead to burnout emotionally and physically. So listening to the inner critic can really unfortunately lead us to spend a lot of time and energy comparing ourselves to other people and feeling lesser. 
I will say that my inner critic started very, very early. I was a sensitive child. I took things very literally. I grew up in the 1970s and it's kind of a harsh time to grow up in the South. Corporal punishment was very much alive and well. I've talked about that before. That was kind of a, a hard thing to witness and experience. And there was a lot of pressure. I think this is more Southern than other cultures, although it's present elsewhere, but there is all this pressure to be a good girl and be a sweet girl. And there's a lot of praise and rewards for, for being a good girl. So if you weren't a good girl, you started telling yourself, I'm not a good girl. I'm not sweet enough. I'm not good enough. And I remember a few episodes where my inner critic just went off the rails. I, I think it was fourth grade. I remember being in elementary school at an after school program and I said something mean about a substitute teacher. It wasn't even really that mean in hindsight, but I just went kind of nuts ruminating on this thing that I said. And I ended up just staying up all night. I was so worried. I was so worried that I had hurt her feelings and that I was going to get in trouble. She was literally three classrooms down. There's no way that she heard me. But I think this sort of set up a pattern for life, like being really, really harsh on myself when I made a mistake or started to worry about getting in trouble. And, you know, it's a very type C thing to do. I didn't, I didn't want to disappoint or upset anyone. I didn't want to create a burden. I really didn't want to make life difficult for other people and not to wax in on and on about stories. But I just, I, as we were preparing for this podcast, I thought of another one later on in life where I, in my late 20s, I was working in finance. I was working on these big sort of deals and I made a pretty big mistake. And honestly, it could have tanked the deal. And my inner critic was absolutely on fire, just beating myself up all the time. You know, this deal probably lasted about a week and it was just a week of hell for me. I became honestly pass passively suicidal. I just thought it might be better just to not wake up the next morning because I just couldn't bear the thought of this deal falling apart because of me. It was a big deal. And there were a lot of people involved and a lot of people standing to make a lot of money on it. And, you know, it was, it was very, very difficult, but I guess, you know, the point being that this inner critic just absolutely takes over, takes over your mind. You can't, you can't let it go. You really have to understand where, what it is and where it's coming from in order to kind of start paying more attention to it and learning how to respond differently to it. And back then as a child and then as a, as a 20 something, I, I, I just had no idea what was happening inside my own head. So I, I mean, it's so interesting, you know, as a psychologist, I mean, I have my own inner critic and then obviously I have examples of my patient's inner critic. I, I think my inner critic is, is especially loud with my kids. And I have this thing that happens whenever I sort of get excessively angry or yell that, you know, or, or don't provide enough support that the inner critic will say, you know, well, this is going to lead to the you know, trauma and damage later on. But my, my inner critic will also tell me future stories, right? Like all these bad things are going to happen now that you've done this thing right now, which, you know, could be true, but like, are we 100% sure? You know, it never says you're doing such a great job, all the other things, you know, getting back to that evolutionary perspective, the inner critic is trying to protect us from danger. And so it is focused on scary things, which unfortunately are usually negative, but I wish it could be a little nicer. I have this great story about this patient 
I have lots of patients, you know, everyone has an inner critic and we talk about that a lot in therapy. I have, you know, one patient who no matter how good she's doing in therapy and she has made so much progress, you know, she's my rock star patient. And no matter what she, her inner critic, after she's had some success is always like, well, you know, but you still have that problem, you know, coming, having a bit like coming to see a therapist and you, you know, you're, you're still lesser. So, so the inner critic is, you know, definitely does not go away. It's really how you respond to it. But I have this wonderful story that a patient of mine came to me and, you know, told me that she had this inner critic named Sally. And I thought it was hysterical. And she told me this story, how she once went over to a friend's house and we were talking and talking and talking about being more vulnerable. She worries what other people want to think about her and being, you know, thought of as, as lesser because she feels lesser. So she really doesn't share a lot of anything bad about herself. And uh, she had had a health issue and she told this friend about the health issue. And she, we worked on this. I really was a very, very close friend. And she, she felt people were going to think lesser of her about this health issue. And she told her friend about the health issue and sort of that was her win. But then she went back to her husband and she told her husband, you know, that she was just thinking, oh, you know, now my friend is just going to think like lesser of me. And, and the husband said, shut up, Sally, which was so great because not to my patient, but like the husband was directly talking to the inner critic, Sally. And I just thought, and she burst out laughing um, when he said that. And, and he totally got it. Like it was just you know, Sally had not left her alone for one minute. So I like that story. And obviously uh, one technique is certainly naming the inner critic, but so it's a, it's a, it's a funny story. I'm curious, did she learn the technique of naming the inner critic in therapy or did she come up with that on her own? She came up with that on her own. That's genius, really. I mean, because if, if one of the big strategies that we're going to talk about now is to, learn to recognize the voice and be more aware of it when you name it. It kind of brings a little yes. levity and humor to the whole situation. Yes, 100%. Well, let's talk about ways that we can learn how to manage the voice better. I know, Corey, you said we can't eliminate the voice, but we can respond differently to it so it doesn't have so much power over us. And one thing that I think can be helpful is if we think about how a motivational speaker or a good friend would talk to us, someone who helps us and supports our growth, you know, just thinking about, is this inner critic really the motivational speaker that we want to be listening to? Is it supporting our growth? And do we really want to give it a lot of time and attention and, and make choices based on its suggestions? And also, you know, how does it make us feel about ourselves and how does it affect our, our mood? I would say, you know, most of us can, can easily say that when the inner critic gets loud, her mood is in the dumps. <laughs> yeah, I think it's the, the hardest part is really hearing it. I, I think that the inner critic is running commentary all the time. We're so tuned out to it. It's just part of us. It's almost like breathing, right? No one, no one notices that they're breathing, but they're breathing all day long, unless we're super anxious and then we hold our breath. So the first part really is tuning into it recognizing that it's a voice in your head and it's not necessarily you. So what who you are is what's important to you, what matters to you. And the inner critic has a separate agenda. The inner critic is part of you, but it is not all of you. 
So the inner critic has a very specific agenda, which is to keep you safe. So it's always on the lookout for negative or danger, to tell you about bad things that could happen, usually in the future, or to tell you about all the bad things that happened in the past to hopefully make you learn and do better moving forward. Now, if you think about it from an evolutionary perspective, if your friend ate the bad mushroom and died, make sure you remember about where that bad mushroom was, right? But in today's modern world, it is not as necessary in a lot of ways to listen so tightly. So really, the first part is to try to notice it, hear it, recognize it is not all of you. It's just a part of you. Maybe you could write down what the inner critic is saying to have a little space and, and look at it from a little bit afar and think, you know, let me decide, do I want to do anything about this or just want to kind of notice there's my mind going? Oftentimes what we don't realize is when we listen to everything the inner critic says without any evaluation, it ends up being tons of rumination. It's just a voice that's beating ourselves up or it's a voice that encourages us to say yes all the time, take on too much and put our needs at the bottom of the list. And obviously with type C, this is exactly what we're trying not to do to, so that we don't so that our behavior does not lead to tons and tons of emotional fatigue, physical problems, anger, resentment, all those things. So a couple of months back, we had a wonderful podcast with Elaine Rethholtz, and she talked about mindfulness-based stress reduction, or MBSR. It is a practice that she offers, and it's a wonderful class that has been studied for many years and shown to be extremely effective for chronic pain, chronic fatigue, and all dealing with illness. But it actually just really has applicability for all of us. So it helps you slow down. Any type of mindfulness practice really is a, a wonderful opportunity to get more distance and space and really to try to start to hear the inner critic in, instead of just constantly on default automatic pilot following everything that the critic does. So really just trying to be more present, be more aware. And then as Anna has talked about a lot, for those who are more inclined, spiritual practice can help align more with our worth. And we can question the religious beliefs we were taught as children to really become more of an adult, which is true for kind of everything, anything that we're taught as children, you want to become more aware of and make more of a conscious present choice. Yeah, I would say that there are a lot of things that have helped me here at the margin. And, you know, you've mentioned most of them, therapy, journaling, spiritual reading, MBSR. I think as we're working through this, there's, and with our health in general, there's usually not a magic bullet. There's not a silver bullet or whatever you call it. The, the one thing that's going to make everything better. And it's, it's sort of just experimenting and trying and finding the things that, that work for you. And I think I still struggle with making mistakes. I still struggle with feeling like I'm not doing enough. I'm not successful enough personally and professionally. And I think it, it just takes some effort to really change that internal dialogue and develop self-compassion. It just, it doesn't happen overnight. But for type C people, like we've talked about, I mean, I think it's really important to understand where the voice came from, because I'm someone, and I, I don't know, I don't know if I'm alone here, but I have a tendency to just have this default belief that everything is my fault and I blame myself for everything. And if we kind of take a step back and look at where that came from, you know, a lot of times these forces that develop these patterns of thinking, they were not our fault. We, we didn't do anything to bring them on. And so that can help us really, I think, develop a lot more 
self-compassion. And then we can soften that inner critic that's telling us all these terrible things. And another thing I just want to mention is, you know, I think sleep has been an issue for me for so long. And I think a lot of people will identify with that's when the voice is the loudest when you wake up at night and the voice is telling you all these scary things and all these things that you're doing wrong and all these outcomes that are going to happen because of this and that. And especially hard for parents. I will go back to specific episodes that have happened that, you know, I, things that I said to my children, things that I did that I didn't do. And I'm like, oh my God, I've traumatized them for life. They're going to end up, you know, drug dealers. And <laughs> I think, you know, it, that's something just to, that we have to be aware of that that voice is so loud in the night and, um, and, and it shouldn't, you know, it, it doesn't have to be. So I, I, I have developed a trick for myself if it's useful to anyone else out there to, stop that voice in the night. I mean, a couple tricks. One is the MBSR body scan where you just really get out of your head and you start at your feet and you just notice all the sensation and all your different body parts going all the way up. And I remember when Elaine first, first, you know, mentioned this exercise. I, I don't know why I found these exercises kind of cringy and I just thought they were kind of weird, but, but they work. I mean, they truly do work in getting you out of your head and into your body. And out of that space where the, the critic is, is beating you up. And another trick that I use, which is kind of a little different, but I just try to focus on something that has nothing to do with me at all. And it's not a scary thing. It's not like things that are happening politically or things happening with climate change or things happening with my family and friends. Just I, I follow this Meghan Markle, Prince Harry saga, which is sort of a, you know, it's just a drama that's happening in the world. It has nothing to do with me she's kind of made a mess of everything. And I always kind of think about like where that could all go. And I always tell myself, well, at least I haven't made as big a mess as she has made, which is probably not that nice. But at the same time, it's, it's a way of just kind of like, okay, how can I get out of my head? How can I stop beating myself up? How can I just shift my focus to something that's a little more benign and help me get myself back to sleep and, and stop all this inner critic nonsense? Oh, these are such good examples. You know, when I was listening to you and you were talking about self-compassion, I was realizing that I think, you know, the inner critic is one perspective, right? And so we can't change it. It's based on the past. It's based on evolution, protecting us. It's really loud. But obviously, step one is notice it and really try to recognize it's one perspective, right? Maybe maybe you are lesser, uh, who knows? We, we, it's not really worth getting into a debate. But what is the most important thing is if you listen to the fact that you are lesser or that you're a failure or that you've ruined your kids, what does that make you do? And is that really what you want to be doing right now? Is that helpful to you in the long run? Is that helpful to your kids in the long run? Is it helpful to your career in the long run? Is it helpful to your health in the long run? So Obviously, I'm making light of this. It's very, very hard to do this, but that would be in the best case scenario, slowing down, being kinder to yourself. Okay, I've got this really tough voice. I can't change it. And it's there to try to protect me. So I don't want to hate it. But when I listen to it 100%, which unfortunately, it can be really, really hard when there's a very strong voice. And if you think about that in the rest of your life to slow down and stop and say, wait, what are my needs? What are my health needs? How do I want to treat myself? What's the model I want to put for my kids of how you treat yourself? How do I want to treat my friends and family? 
does that inner critic help you, support you to do all those things? So ultimately, that's what we want to try to pay attention to, that these are thoughts in our head. They are not necessarily facts. We don't want to get into debate with the inner critic. Maybe you did what my patient, maybe you do what my patient did, which is name it, uh, write it down. You do some mindfulness practice to slow down, to get some space from it, and to just try to recognize you have the power to choose how you respond. So you can say, oh, there she goes again, or there he goes again, or there that crazy voice goes again. But you know what? This is hard. I feel like I should do something, or I feel nervous or anxious. I feel worried, right? There's our favorite type C motto. Try to sit with it. Don't try to run away with it. You know, so if you run away from that strong negative emotion and you want to get rid of it, you're often doing something that might be hurting to hurting you more in the long run. So that's pretty much what we have to say about inner critics. Try to get into the present and really know that you want to treat yourself better. It would be so amazing if we had a magic pill or button to delete it. But we hope that this podcast about the inner critic has been helpful to you today and stay tuned for our next episode. If you're interested in being a guest on our podcast or there's a topic you want to talk about, please get in touch. Our email address is typectoolbox at gmail.com. If there's a story you'd like to share, we're putting together a book on Type C and we can always hide identities if desired. Check out our blog and Instagram for more on Type C typectoolbox.com and at typectoolbox. And leave us a review on the podcast. Thank you for listening today. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It's not meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. If you're having a mental health emergency, please dial 911. If you're looking for mental health treatment, please visit the National Alliance on Mental Illness website at NAMI, which is N-A-M-I dot org.